Today's episode of Blue Rush features my former teammate, Eli Manning, who will get his number 10 retired and will also be inducted into the Giants Ring of Honor. The first question I get when people find out I played for the Giants or recognize that I did is, who is Eli Manning? How was he? Is he cool? Eli Manning is all of those things. I think he's one of the best teammates I ever had. He's fearless. He's tough. He led a team to two Super Bowls in New York, one of the toughest cities to play sports in America. The thing I'll marvel most about Eli is his toughness. He never missed a game because of injury. And being a locker mate of his, I know he played hurt. He played hurt a lot. No one will ever know that, but that's something I admire the most about him. And he was just a great teammate. And those are the two most important things anyone could say about someone that plays football. So Eli Manning, thank you. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for taking us to the promised land. Eli Manning will join us on this episode. We will also preview their matchup Sunday with the Falcons. So join us on a special Eli Manning edition of Blue Rush from the New York Post. Back to throw. Sets, looks over the middle. Foss makes the catch on the run. Still on speed across midfield. To the 40, to the 35, and knocked down at the 34 yard line. Kevin Foss. Tyree in motion. Hand off. Well, late take. Manning to throw to the end zone. Touchdown. David Tyree on the post. And the Giants have a lead with 11 05 to go in the ball Four man rush. Eli throwing into traffic on the sideline. They had a rule and a catch by Manningham. 15th play of the drive, touchdown Giants, Amani Toomer, and a brilliant drive engineered by Manning. Manning takes the snap, back to throw, under pressure, avoids the rush, and he's going to fight out of it, still fights out of it, now throws it deep downfield, wide open Tyree, who makes the catch! At the 24 yard line, what a play by Manning! And Eli, man, I don't know how he got out of there, I thought he was on the ground, and, and then he came out of the pile... And just slings it. 39 seconds left. Manning lobs it. Burris alone. Touchdown, New York. Eli Manning has done it again. What an incredible year by Eli Manning. Welcome to Blue Rush, our Giants podcast from the New York Post. A special Eli Manning edition of Blue Rush. Those highlights in that montage are courtesy of WFAN. You heard Bob Papa and Carl Banks, Fox's Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, and NBC's Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth for an illustrious career of Eli Manning, who is going to join Blue Rush in just a little bit. Special guest, two-time Super Bowl champion, getting his number 10 in the Giants Ring of Honor on Sunday before their game against the Falcons in a game we will preview as well. Your host of Blue Rush, our two-time Giants Super Bowl champion kicker, Eli's old teammate, Lawrence Tynes. And his co-host has been covering the Giants for the New York Post since 1994, Paul Schwartz. I'm the pod father, Jake Brown, along with Sarah McCrory on board with us, guys. And ode to Eli Manning, you know, one of my heroes as a kid growing up, seeing those two Super Bowls as a fan was special. Lawrence, you gave your ode in the beginning. Paul, 
You got to cover him for 16 years. Who and what was Eli Manning and what did he mean to this Giants franchise? Yeah, thanks, Jake. Um, yeah, Eli was a, um, you know, a different kind of guy. You know, I mean, I think I think when he first came to the Giants in 2004, I said, look, I've talked to Archie Manning. He was a great NFL quarterback. I've, I've covered some Super Bowls with Peyton Manning. He was a great NFL quarterback. I thought Eli was going to be a Manning in that mold. And he really wasn't. Initially, he was kind of shy. He was not ready to really play NFL football. His first pass ever in a rookie camp hit off a tackling dummy, you know, and it's like, holy cow, what's what's with this guy? He grew into it. He grew into New York. I mean, he's a New Yorker now. He lives in New Jersey. The thing I would say about Eli Manning is in 16 years covering him, he never once referred to me by name. Hi, Paul. Good question, Paul. Stupid question, Paul. Get out of my face, Paul. You know, players do that, right? Michael Strahan used to scream at me, get away from me, Schwartz, that kind of thing. And I once asked a few years into his his um, career, I asked the PR people, I said, does Eli know the names of the beat writers? Because he doesn't refer to any of us by name. And he said, what are you kidding? He knows all of you guys. He's so sharp. He knows every name. That was Eli. Stiff arm. He kept us away but he was cordial. He was polite. He stayed and answered our questions, but he was, and, and I don't, I don't say that was great. I wish he was more familiar and more comfortable with us, but that was Eli. He did it on his terms. And that was throughout 16 years. Sometimes fans would get frustrated, right? Lawrence, you know that when fans would say, we need more fire from Eli. We need more spark. He's got to get in a receiver's face and grab him and tell him, you know, shape up. Eli just did it his way, right? Always. He did. I should have charged him rent, too, for the space in my locker that you guys infiltrated every single day. Every day, Eli, that he met with the media, my locker next to his, I had to give up. I remember one time, Paul, I did a tape zone. I made tape, and I said, do not stand in the zone because, like, that's where I sit, and I'm trying to put on my damn underwear, for God's sake. Well, let's, let me ask you something, genius. Why did you pick the locker next to Eli Manning except you I don't to pick it. I don't pick it. Well, you should have said, look, I know he's the cool guy and he's the star, but he was. I need, I need to go sit somewhere where they don't bother me. It was fun. Obviously, I was very cordial. I understood the nature of where my locker was. The tape was a complete joke. I was just trying to... One day, I got really aggravated. I said, get to hell. Maybe I had a bad day kicking yeah, or something. Yeah, I said, yeah. get the hell away from my locker. Like, go stand on the other side of Eli's locker. Let me... Let me let me ask you something. All those, all those times you sat there on your stool, right? I listened. Yes, and that's I was what a I mean. Spy. What, what, yes. what did you observe from that? The consistency, the delivery. It never wavered. Just like he, he is. He was the most, you know, outside of Tom Coughlin. I, Eli Manning's one of the most consistent people, like human beings. I've ever met in my life and up, down, win, loss, nothing really changed. And I think, you know, that really translated throughout the locker room. He never panicked. He never really, even in games, you didn't really see a lot of panic and guys fed off that and respected who he was as a player. And listen, not a lot of people have two Super Bowl rings, two Super Bowl MVPs, played 16 years and didn't miss a snap because of injury. I mean, that is a hell of a resume. Well, I would imagine. I mean, you have two Super Bowl rings. I'm sure when Eli looks at his rings, he thinks of your two kicks that got you into Super Bowls. I'm sure when you look at your rings, you have to be thinking of Eli in some way, shape, or form. I mean, he doesn't get them without you. You don't get them without him. There's no question about either of those. The ultimate team sport, no question. I think of the Tyree catch and the Manningham catch. And those are all throws by Eli Manning. You know, I do think a lot about the the defensive effort too as well. When you think of those Super Bowls that you won as a former player, they're little snapshots of plays. And what's fun about it when you reflect on those games is it's always a different play sometimes. I'm trying to 
put that into words for people to understand what I'm talking about. But I'll think about Super Bowl 42, and and some some days it might be it's it's actually very rarely ever the Tyree catch because that's the one we always see. It's the fumble recovery by Ahmad Bradshaw that he had no business getting. Um, and it's little subtle plays. It's Chase Blackburn running off the field when we had too many men on the field for a punt return. So it's a lot of fun. I mean, I can I, I probably think about it once a week or maybe on Sundays. But Is that true? I do. I reflect. You know, it's weird as you get older because that's the question, I'll, you know, we'll talk to Eli about is – I'm 43 now. I've been done for eight years, almost as long as I played, you know? So it's like, you don't appreciate what you're doing when you're doing it. And then as, as I've gotten further away and watching my kids play and bitching at them for not playing well, is I appreciate what I did now more because I I recognize now that it, what I, what we did and as a team was really, really special. Yeah. Now, Eli was, you know, considered a great prankster. I mean, everyone knows that. Did oh. he ever Did he ever get you? Did he ever the get wor- you? I think it's the worst one. And maybe, you know, we can talk about this. Is, I remember I told you about the Vaseline on my car. Bumper to bumper. I mean, that is, that's a tough, I, I just don't know where they, and this was on a Range Rover. This was not some second rate car that I bought. This was a Range Rover. And I mean, bumper to bumper. Vaseline, last day of training camp. And I had to stay after in Albany, grab the custodian's little wheel, willy thing, a little cart, and take all his cleaners and hoses and sprays and towels and wipe my car down until nighttime to get it driving. Now, was there a reason for this? I mean, you know. Was there it, was, was. And I thought I went undetected, but this is the the skill of the Eli. Genius of the Eli. genius of Eli. The genius of Eli. Go I was ahead. the new kid, right? Just yep. traded. No one really knew me. So I went around. Kind of mid- geeky. Let's face it. Kind of geeky. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, kind of geeky. I've Come never on. been geeky. I've always been really cool. Oh, um, so I go, I go to. You're uh, a kicker. You're a kicker. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but I'm still cool. So I go around to every quarterback's car, let the air out on their side, driver's side, tires. Let the air out on all four cars. So it would have been Lorenzen, Manning, Hasselbeck, maybe. Golly, I think we had one other quarterback. So I, and But I taped a bike pump to that side of the car so they could pump their own tires up. Genius. Talk of the camp. Everyone was like, who did that? That's amazing. I must have told one or two too many people. And last day at camp, sure enough, I thought home free. We're going to drive home. I go out. My car is bumper to bumper. And I'm not kidding you. I'm not making this up. Bumper to bumper and Vaseline. First of all, I don't know how much, you know, you can't go. Into I don't know C- where they got, but you we use CVS and get, and get a jug of that. I mean, well, the training room has large tubs of that for the tape when they tape your ankles and things like that. So it was really good, but I was pissed. I mean, it took hours. I bet I spent four or five hours while everyone's probably already at home. I'm wiping my car down in Albany parking lot. And that was the last time you ever pulled a prank on Eli Manning. Never. Never ever. even got in. Yeah, never. Never again. Yeah. that That's, uh, you know, I mean, but he I've was. never officially been told. You know, I, I think he did that. The but. fans came to realize that eventually, that Eli had this kind of different side to him. You know, his successor, Daniel Jones is not that kind of guy and doesn't have to be that kind of guy. But, you know, do you do you see – I mean, you're not around Daniel Jones, but, you know, I think the Giants drafted Daniel Jones, and a lot of the reason was they thought he was a good player, and they also thought he was like Eli Manning too. Yep. I, you know, I don't know if, I, if I, I can I see some similarities. That. Yeah. I see some – mainly in his post-game interviews, how he's – and maybe Pat Hanlon's been – had his hand in that and taught them, and maybe they've watched hours and hours of – Eli Manning post-game press conferences. But I see a lot of similarities there. Not so much on the football field yet, but hopefully we will one day. 
Yeah, he's a lot faster than Eli. Now, he, here's something that you know that that you guys you know swore by Eli, right? And and you know these players have not had the success with Daniel that you guys had with Eli, but they still swear by him. You know the whole thing, which I don't think was a big deal. We talked about it last podcast about Kenny Galladay yelling at Jason Garrett, right? We all thought it was Daniel Jones he was yelling at. Now the media, us, me, we asked Daniel, "Hey, what was up with Kenny yelling at you on the sidelines in Washington?" Daniel knew Kenny was not yelling at him. He knew he was yelling at Jason Garrett. Daniel Jones could have said, look, he wasn't yelling at me. Go ask Kenny who he was yelling at. Daniel said, yep, yep, it's okay. We're good. He took it. You know, that was very interesting to me. I asked Darius Slayton, the uh, receiver who dropped the touchdown pass and caught a touchdown pass in Washington about what that showed him about Daniel. And he said, that's just the kind of guy he is. He's never going to blame one of us for something or throw somebody under the bus. He's always going to take it on the chin. Honestly, he's gotten probably more bullets than anybody being the starting quarterback. The fact that he's willing to take on something that even isn't his fault, it just goes to show what kind of guy he is. I'm sure almost all or probably all of Eli Manning's former teammates would say the same thing about Eli, I would guess. I'm sure there were routes that were run that were wrong that Eli stood there and said, you know, Eli, why did you throw – that interception in the third quarter, and he basically said it was a bad read. I got to get the ball out quicker, blah, 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 right? You knew that. You heard him saying that. He was yeah. covering for guys often. Yeah, and it doesn't matter because ultimately he knows the people that it matters to the most know what happened in a game. So it does us no good as a team for Eli to say Manningham or Cruz or Knicks ran the wrong route. You know, it just doesn't help anybody doesn't get us better but it doesn't surprise me about Daniel he's well respected Um, you have to be in the NFL in your locker room if you're going to play quarterback and it sounds to me and this is no big surprise that the guys like him that's why they play hard and they want to win for him and I just hope we can start winning some games it does not surprise me at all I can see Daniel Jones's leadership qualities and people will follow him you know it is good that he got that one year with Eli it's funny he was saying the other day that um, you know I got one year playing behind Eli and I'm like no you got two games playing behind Eli before they benched Eli and put Daniel in, but he watched Eli as a starter. Then he watched him as a backup. He watched him as an ally and a friend. He said the main thing he learned from Eli was you would expect anyone that's that successful who has played a long time at a high level, he has a certain way to prepare. But being able to kind of see it day to day with him, see him interact with teammates, interact with people in the facility and staff members and the leaders. It was in all aspects of the organization and this team. And and the thing that's, that was fascinating to me is that he mentioned minutia. And Eli was all about minutia, right? He was not about big picture. He said about Eli's work ethic, he said he never got bored with doing the fundamental things on the field, whether it was his footwork, working on something as simple as a three-step drop or a five-step drop. You hear him talk about his footwork and a lot of those things. And he said that stuck with him early on. This is a guy who's been in the league forever and he's doing through the grind. Um, I, I was wondering what Eli would do in the second chapter of his life, you know, because he was a, as much as he was a star, quote unquote, he was a grinder, wasn't he? Eli is the ultimate grinder. I mean, in terms of putting in work and, and, and going that extra mile. But, you know, it's funny. I learned a lot from watching him too, even though I'm not a quarterback, just 
his preparation, the way he was in the building, the way he was with his teammates, he was almost like the perfect quarterback. This sounds crazy, but he always did everything right. You know, and I'm sure a lot of that's to do with Tom Coughlin and the coaching staff and the players that we had around us. But it's funny when I talk to my kids now and teams I coached at youth, youth levels, I said, guys, college athletes and pro athletes do all the little things very, very, very well, meaning footwork, meaning mundane tasks. I said, that's what a pro athlete is. It's someone that can repeat a motion over and over and over again through monotonous practice. And there's no secret to it. Listen, Eli was not the best athlete at all by any stretch of the imagination. Very smart guy, but put in all the work and the details. You know, it's funny. There's just no secrets to getting to this level. It's work. It's hard work. It's a lot of work. And he he was someone that you just knew every week. I knew we had a chance every week with him because of the way he prepared. I just never doubted him. It's 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 no question. Now, this is Eli Manning weekend, right? He's getting, you know, inducted into the Ring of Honor at halftime. They're going to retire his number. It's an incredible honor. They chose the Falcons, right? The Falcons for this game. It's like homecoming for the Giants, right? You got to win your homecoming game. Are the Giants going to beat the freaking Falcons and finally uh, get a win this season? I hope I mean, so. Really? really? They, they have to win this game. I mean, we said that last week, and every time they don't win, Joe Judge needs a win. My God, this organization needs a win. They have to win. They, you know, listen, the Falcons are a, a beaten down team, and it's a team the Giants should beat at home. Do we know the spread? I'm not a big gambler so i think it's three points i think the giants are favored by three holy cow okay so go win i don't care if it's two zero the giants need to win a football game you got number 10's day it's number 10's day let's call it what it is go win a game for them even though you get most of you guys never play with them they gotta come Um, out swinging in the first half because if you go to halftime i remember when they closed down shea the mets just lost and missed the playoffs it was the most like demoralizing ceremony ever if they go into halftime down 21 nothing to the Falcons, it's going to be pretty depressing. So I'd like to see them come out firing in the first half. Well, look, they, I mean, I don't know how good this team is as far as coming out firing. Look, you know what? They should win by 10 points in honor of Eli Manning, right? That's what they should do. But they lost oh, by one oh, They lost by one point one. in Washington. So, I mean, I think they would. everybody in the building would sign up to win by one point against the Falcons. I think they'll win, but I stated in the post last week that I will not pick them until they win a game. So I can't pick them, so I'll pick them to lose a one-point game, okay? But I, like I said, that's just because I kind of backed myself in a corner. Gosh, dang it. I said the same thing Paul did, but because it's Eli Manning weekend, 21-7 Giants. Whoa. Defense shows up. Patrick Graham gets them, you know, 10 days figured out. So I'm going with the Giants. All right, guys, I'm going 24-20. I think they win in honor of Eli, and the Falcons have just been terrible. Their defense has been in an atrocious mess right now. Sarah? I hope you're taking the Giants. I am. I think that the Eli Juju will be in the building. I think it'll be, that'll hype it up, but not by a lot. I'm going 2017 Giants. <laughs> and me and Sarah will be in the building. We're going to get tickets. We're going to go. We're going to rep Blue Rush. We'll wave to Paul in the press box. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we will be there lower level somewhere. We're getting Ooh, decent seats lower and we're, we're supporting Eli on Sunday. It's supposed to be a beautiful day. It's supposed to be a beautiful afternoon for football. We're going to get some color. We'll do some uh, some gambling at the sports book next door. We'll do some tailgating, some drinking. Sarah will be 10 mimosas deep by uh, 1230 before the game starts, probably. Yeah, Jake uh, will pay for all of them, too. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't drink at football Same games. Way. I have really? to sit and watch. I have to watch, man. Well, like, I watch with intent. That's how I feel at home. I can't drink well, it, when I'm at J- home. Jake's a Met fan, so he has to drink at all sporting events. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm used to drinking at sporting <laughs> it dulls, events. It so. dulls the pain. 
they'll the Mets will be eliminated Sunday, and I'll hopefully get a giant win. To make I'll be. Play. I'm going to go watch the Giants play the Chiefs here Monday right. Night Football in November. And you will be here for October 17th, the 10 year anniversary game. You'll be making the trip. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. All right, enough of us guys. Jake Brown, Paul Schwartz, Lawrence Tynes, Sarah McCrory. Joining Blue Rush next is. Eli himself, Eli Manning, the two-time Super Bowl champion, getting his number retired and going to the Ring of Honor on Sunday. He joins Blue Rush next. Joining us now on Blue Rush is one of the faces of the Giants franchise. He was Big Blue's quarterback from 2004 through 2019. After getting picked first overall to Ole Miss by the Chargers and getting traded to the G-Men, he led the Giants to two Super Bowl titles in the 2007 and 2011 seasons with our own kicker, Lawrence Tynes, the first time taking down the previously undefeated Patriots and then taking down Brady Belichick and company for a second time four years later. He won two Super Bowl MVPs in those years thanks to a few magical clutch fourth quarter drives, including a pass to David Tyree that will live in our minds forever. He holds the NFL record for most passing yards in a single postseason With 1,219 and holds Giants franchise records for passing yards, touchdown passes, and completions. He threw for over 57,000 yards, tossed 366 touchdowns in his iconic 16-year NFL career. Can we cut the introduction out? That's enough. (laughs) Where the dude never missed a game. It's almost over, Eli. The pride of the Big Easy will have his number 10 jersey retired at MetLife Stadium Sunday. At halftime, as he's welcome into the Giants' ring of honor and one day the Hall of Fame, he's now all over ESPN2 for Monday Night Football with his brother Peyton and with his own show, Eli's Places, on ESPN+. Plus. Let's give a warm Blue Rush welcome to a Giants icon, two-time Super Bowl champion and a family man. It's mighty number 10, Eli Manning. Eli, wow. uh, I'm sorry I gave you a novel there, but it's Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz. Welcome to Blue Rush. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I think I might have like a minute left now. The introduction <laughs> Eli, that, that intro was only slightly shorter than your 16-year career, I think, you know? This is my, that brings in my first question, Eli. Thanks for coming on. You did the, the attention. You've always deflected to your teammates, to everyone else around you. Are you going to allow yourself this week to take it all in and accept everyone celebrating you at the stadium? Halftime is pretty short, and you know that from playing, you know, Lawrence. You kind of walk into the locker room, you know, you get you grab a orange slice, you go to the restroom, and then the coach is like, "All right, uh, we're gonna run this play. All right, get back out there. We gotta get back." So halftime short, I think, you know, and then halftime speeches. Like no one really listens to what you say at a halftime speech anyway. I don't think there's like an echo. Fans are you know trying to get a beer. At, and the concessions anyway, so it's gonna be it's gonna be short. I asked them, I said, "How long is my talk?" They're like, "Well, you can't go over two minutes." I'm like, "How's like forty seconds?" They're like, "I'm even better." I'm like, "Perfect." So you know, it's gonna be brief. I, you know, I will enjoy the day. I'll enjoy seeing some of my old teammates. But you know, I, I hope the Giants can play well. Hope they can get a win. Hope they can have a little lead at halftime and and some good vibes going in the stadium. That would be that would be important. But I will enjoy kind of one final, I guess, send off and, and a thank you to all the fans and, and everybody who has been a part of my, my Giants career. Now, Eli, um, uh, thanks for coming on, uh, first of all. When uh, Phil Sims retired, you know, same thing, halftime, Giants lost that game. But when, um, when he retired, he wanted to come out and they had one last pass, right? One last pass to LT, who was not a receiver, but the most famous giant of them all, 56 and 11. If you get one last pass, who would it be appropriately thrown to? 
It's a tough one. Um, you know, it, it's hard to, I mean, I think, uh, you know, probably my two most famous throws are to Tyree and Manningham. So it'd be, it'd be a coin flip between those two, I have a feeling. You know, there's obviously been a lot of other great players and, and you know, there's Strahan and there's Tuck and there's guys on the defensive side. I think it's a little weird throwing it to a defensive guy. Yeah. Throwing yeah. It, throwing yeah. Interception. Yeah, I we don't want to do that. I don't want to add any more interceptions to my to my list. So. <laughs> what about Amani? He has the most reception. Didn't isn't he your number one target? Yeah, probably so. You know, so many great receivers. You know, it's hard. It would be hard hard to hard to say. Just throw it to Odell. Just throw it to Odell. One pass to Odell. He's playing. He's playing. So or he's not playing. <laughs> he might be playing. He's on another team, so he will not be in town. What about lofting one in the left corner to Plaxico? They're all good. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's like you could pick. You could pick a lot of different guys. There's, yeah, obviously the touchdown. But you know, obviously those. I mean, if people talk about throws, I, I still think it's between kind of Tyree and, and Manningham. Just kind of those Super Bowl throws um, and iconic catches and just plays. You know, those are the ones that kind of get you know mentioned the most in my you know lately. Is being out there, is it going to bring back all the feels? Is it going to make you miss being a quarterback? Or have you settled into the broadcast, father, family man, Frank's red hot sauce lifestyle? Yeah, I think I've embraced this new lifestyle where you just get to critique everybody and you forget how hard it is. And, you know, from the sideline, it's very easy. Oh, you should have thrown it more in front, you know. Oh, you should have thrown it to this guy, not that guy. It's, it's much easier on film. Uh, just watching it from the, the you know behind angle and having unlimited time to make your decisions, um, you know. So no, I, I think uh, I, I'm in a good spot. I'm enjoying where I am. I'm enjoying my family time. Enjoying going to the Giants games and just watching as a as a fan and, and rooting them on. And so uh, I don't I don't you know there's parts of it you miss. You miss the locker room. You miss the plane ride homes. You miss celebrating the wins. But the other parts, uh, you don't. You don't miss the losses. You don't miss, you know, not sleeping for two days after a loss because it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, haunting you. And you don't miss the hits and and the treatments and every, you know, some of the stuff that goes along with it. So I knew when I when I retired two years ago that this was the right decision. I had no no you know doubts, no second guessing, and I was ready to to, to move on. Eli, you mentioned the, uh, the the plane rides, you know, victorious plane rides, I'm sure, are great uh, bus rides from the stadium. You know, Lawrence Tynes has said many times that on those bus rides that he was allowed to be kind of in the back of the bus with the cool guys. You know what I mean? Which I'm not sure. I call why it the cool guy bus. I, I don't know why, how the hell the kicker got on there, but they let yeah. me back there. Yeah, I don't know why, you know, Eli's back, you know, the quarterback's back with the cool guys and you let a kicker back, which I don't, you can explain why. And that um, the fact that you were able to procure beer in every stadium is one of the things that should be on your resume somewhere. That is just an incredible achievement. It's a gift. It's a, it's a talent. Yeah. So, you know, obviously the NFC, you kind of hit those, a lot of those stadiums every year and then having Peyton kind of controlling the AFC. So when I went to, you know, that AFC South, uh, you know, especially where he played for so long in Indianapolis and you go to Tennessee and Jacksonville, you didn't go there a lot often, but they were, they were well trained uh, and, you know, had like a little cooler for you. It was packed in, in Ziploc bags with a little ice. And so, you know, it, it was kind of that one time where you could have, you know, have a cold beer after a football game with your teammates. Usually a lot of linemen are back there, you know, they, they had earned it. They had deserved it. So to celebrate a, a win with a, a cold beer on the bus ride from the stadium to the airport uh, before you get on the plane and then you're kind of done. And uh, uh, it just kind of felt right. It felt like we, we – Eli, we had, we had a couple coaches back there too. 
It was I, I want to. I'm not going to say names, but we had we had a couple coaches that hung out back there too. Yeah, knew, yeah. We definitely, definitely. It was a good. I'm trying to think how you got back. I think Fiegel's must have been back there originally, and so you know, a guy who yeah. grandfather. So if you saw Fiegel's do anything, like you knew it was okay. He was like, all right, he's he's yeah. 40, so he's definitely allowed <laughs> to have a cold beer. So if he's if he's doing it, all right, it's, it's we're, we're in good shape. He can't get in trouble. Lawrence told us the story earlier where you applied like Vaseline all over his Range Rover. You were the ultimate prankster. Do you got any other pranks that, that we don't know about? And what went into this Vaseline prank? Yeah, um, you know, there's still, I mean, it's getting hard now not being around the locker room to play pranks. My wife's kind of getting sick of me. She doesn't like it all that much. My kids, you know, my, my 10-year-old kind of can accept it. She gets it. My 8- uh, and 6-year-old and, and Charlie's 2 and a half. they don't really appreciate they just think it's being mean. They don't understand the sarcasm and the humor around it yet. So, but um, uh, I think yeah, I'm kind of running out of running out of new things. There, there are a few a few tricks. I don't want to give away all my stuff just in case I hit somebody and, and get somebody with a, a trick. I don't want them to know it was me. That's kind of the whole whole part of the, of the pranks is not really being able, you know not get caught and not, not being uh, be able to get blamed for it. Eli, I, it'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about Daniel Jones. And obviously, you spent a year with him. You've seen a lot of good things. The wins are not have not come yet. What do you What do you like about him? Uh, you're gonna get he's getting compared to you, which I don't think is fair at the moment. He's his own player. But what do you What do you like about him? What do you think he brings to the table? Well, I know I know it's important to him. I know you know playing quarterback is important to him. He wants to win. He wants to be successful. He wants to play well for all the right reasons. It's not about being you know famous or or you know living in the in the limelight. It's just about you know winning games. And he wants to do it for the organization and the fans and his teammates for all the right reasons. So he works extremely hard and he listens to coaching. He wants to be coached. He wants to fix the things that he needs to improve on. So I, I you know I root for him. I, I think he'll uh, be successful and do, you know, get those wins. I thought he played great last week in Washington just because, you know, he almost does better when he does get some runs early. And all of a sudden that kind of slows down the pass rush. If he's, you know, if he's running all of a sudden, these defense linemen are like, hey, we got to play the quarterback. We got to play, you know, Saquon. So I think once he gets that going, slows the rush down, he starts passing well and guys are you know if he has time he's very accurate with the ball and so you know all, all those things he has all the skill sets so i hope you know they can they can get this thing going you know times we've you know we were owing two you know before made some runs so they can definitely turn it around i think you know hopefully atlanta can be the team they can do that against and you know i mean last week he's you know he's a d lineman from jumping all sides away from being one-on-one and now everything's feeling good he was not off sides he was not i've gotten the, pretty I've, good right if you look at small mo it looks like it was at the same time he was like a little early but i don't think he got into the neutral zone before the snap eli remind me to text you something after this show Okay. I, I've got. I want to text you something. Then I'll prove his innocence. He was not offside. Eli, uh, um, I'm remiss. I, I I apologize for not knowing this, but they're giving out a Eli Manning bobblehead with the two Super Bowl rings. You know, in the bobblehead. Is this your first bobblehead? Mm, I don't. I don't. I'm, I don't know if I'm. <laughs> That's a great uh, Qualified to answer that question. <laughs> I mean, do, do you have a bobblehead somewhere at home? You know, did somebody make a bobblehead from? I have the. I have the current one. The one they're giving out. I, I got. A, I got a sneak peek. I gave. I actually gave one to my uh, Charlie this morning. My two and a half year old. He 
within 45 seconds, he had broken the arm off. <laughs> so we're down one. Uh, well, I mean, it's still around. The, the head bobbles, so I guess we'll keep it. He can have one with, with one arm. That's, that's fine. But uh, A family psychologist might have a lot of uh, things to say about that. It was up there. It was my right arm. Football's in. I'm getting ready to throw. That one is is gone. So I think that's, you know, I'm retired. I'm not throwing anymore. So Maybe it's symbolism, yeah. It's symbolism. So maybe he's maybe – he's, Telling me I need to get back out there and start throwing 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 balls with them. Do you like the way it looks? Does it? Do you look at the faces to say this kind of looks like me, or it looks like a plastic me? Yeah, I mean, I think it's in the right it's in the right vicinity. I mean, it's not it's not perfect, but I think it's you know close enough. You, you know, it's definitely it, you don't look at it and be like that's definitely not him. It's you know it's kind of a mix between Daniel Jones and I. I think honestly, I think they kind of had both molds and they combined them together. They, the Giants went cheap, so now if they get a Daniel no. Jones bobblehead, they can just change it, right? Exactly. Very easy to see. You know, take change the number. You're good to go. You've been promoting Frank's Red Hot all over the place. I want to know some of the craziest. You say you put that bleep on everything. I want to know some of the craziest things that you put Frank's Red Hot sauce on. <laughs> well, some of the commercials, I was like watering the garden with it. And, um, you know, so I, I, from a normal perspective and a normal life, I think it's pretty, it's kind of the common things. It's it's wings and it's put it in some, uh, you know, I like it just kind of mixed into, you know, whether it's guacamole or salsa or nachos and, and whatnot. So it's, uh, you know, it's the perfect combination of, of spicy and sweet. So, you know, it's uh, it goes with everything. Let's get back to football real quick. I want to know, a lot of people don't know this, I was your locker mate, whatever the hell that means. I had to get kicked out of the way every time you had interviews because the media needed my space, Paul included. What's the toughest thing you ever played with injury-wise? And I know you you never told your teammates, you never told anybody. You played through a lot of tough stuff. What was the toughest, most difficult thing you played? And what was your streak? What's the number? You never missed a game. So I want to know what was the one thing that bothered you most? Here we are done two years now. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I separ- separated my right shoulder in 2007. That first game versus Dallas, that, that wasn't. It's not ideal for a for a thrower. You know, those were the good old days when you could take Torrell, and so you know, the, I got one of those kind of on Friday, and was able to kind of get through half the practice Friday, throwing a few things, and then and then Sunday again, take another one. Just um, and, and yeah, it wasn't. You know, it definitely. The thing is, what I learned about injuries, and that I had I ruptured my plantar fascia in my foot. Uh, you know. I I think 2010 and that wasn't that wasn't real fun just running back and planning on anything so you forget though like the hardest part is you know you kind of get through that first week you, you know I played those games after both injuries and then you know but you wake up on kind of Monday you feel all right Tuesday you feel worse you show up for Wednesday and you're like you know you, you feel worse than you know the week before and you, you know the coaches are like expecting you to be 100 it's like you played the game so you got to be 100% now I'm like I still can't like throw that well it still hurts a lot I still can't run that much and so it's just like a long process it's a I hated I hated being on the sideline I hate not being able to get every rep. I felt that I was annoying the coaches because I couldn't do everything and make every like deep throw in practice. I mean, there were some terrible throws that week in practice. Just you're used to making a throw and all of a sudden with a shoulder like you couldn't do it, or you're used to you know it's my right foot, so I couldn't step into every throw and get it, you know get all the all the juice uh, on every on every pass. So it was like some horrible looking throws were coming up, and the game they didn't happen as much just because you got the adrenaline. You're not thinking about the injury, but. You know, it's hard to make a, a throw when you're like, all right, I got this post route. Like, this is really going to hurt. Like, it's hard to rear back and, and make a confident throw. How many um, of your kids do you coach? 
I know there's a basketball coach. How many are you actively coaching or assistant coaching in, in what sports? You know, last year, was, you know, it was, it was a good year. I was newly retired in a pandemic. And, and so I coached, I coached uh, all three of my girls' basketball teams. I coached one of their softball teams and kind of was a, a helper for a lot of the softball teams uh, as well. And just, but yeah, all, all assistant coach. That's, I don't send emails. I don't deal with parents. I just kind of show up and, you know, draw up some plays for basketball. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of more defensive. I, I, I found out that I can draw up a play, but I like, I like coaching coaching defense. I think if I did football, I kind of like, I like working with quarterbacks and I kind of like coaching everybody if I did football just, but I like kind of coming up with defensive strategies is, is kind of what, what, what interests me. I always kind of look at from that aspect of like how, you know, even when I'm watching games now, I'm like thinking like, how would I play this quarterback or how would I play certain things defensively to, to stop an offense? So it's fun to kind of think the, the reversal sometimes. Now, there are three kinds of coaches, right? Are you the let's go out there and have fun coach? Are you the you got to fight over that pick coach or are you the that's a foul ref coach? What series are you in that group? I think I'm a happy, happy medium of, of all. I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely, you know, a little sarcasm uh, with, with the players. I don't yell, I don't yell at the players or anything. These are like, you know, it's 10 year old girls, eight year old girls. So, but I do just like anything. If you kind of go over, I get frustrated that they, they can't listen. Like the listening part of it, and like there's always the one like always like trying to ask a question. Like I'll go over a play, I'll like draw it on the chalkboard. I'm like, hey, you know, Sally, you're at, you're here, you're at the baseline, you know, Ava, you're at the three point line, like talking through a play, there's always, you know, I explain it, go over it, we're all set. And there's always like the one girl that like, raises her hand, I'm like, all right, here's a que- like what all right, what's the question? She's like uh, are we gonna get ice cream after the game? You're like, all right, all right. That's not what we want. That that's not, that's not what we need here. So, uh, but you know, just I understand this is this. It's meant to be fun. I'm not I'm not yelling at these these kids. Uh, just try to coach them up. Try to get them to understand some of the game. Um, and this, you know, teach them to be good teammates and 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 see if you can get them winning. Winning is is fun, but but doing it the right way. That's fun. I can't wait to hear the who the parent is that emails Eli Manning saying, Sally's not playing. Exactly. What does she need to do better? It's going to happen. Please. You keep Please. coaching, it happens. Um, Eli, you know, I wore a quarter zip in honor of you today. Thank you. Uh, I don't typically wear these, but I said we're talking to the man, even though you were on another specialist podcast earlier this week. Before mine, that's okay. I will take second place. You haven't had a kicker on yet. So, by the way, what you and Peyton are doing has – absolutely changed the way people watch Monday Night Football. It is so fun to watch. I can see you analyzing the film down there. Peyton's yapping. But it's fun, man. You guys are doing a really good job. And every time I go out, people are talking about how much they love it. You have to be thrilled with it. Yeah, you know, it's been fun. And, uh, you know, we're still kind of figuring through it. Each week we're learning a little bit about kind of what works, what doesn't work. Uh, You know, everybody has their opinions. Everybody's texting us, hey, you know, you should do this. You should do that. People who are in the business, you know, you can't do that. Like, well, you know, it's 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 different. No one's ever done this. Like, no one really knows what exactly is correct, what is not correct, what's good, what's bad, what you can do, what you can't do. And so each week we kind of try to, you know, change it up, make some adjustments. If something just totally didn't work or, you know, we get a lot of just, hey, you know, need to explain more like what you're talking about. And Peyton and I, I know we go in, into that a little bit. We start, you know, we speak the same football language, but to, to the other people, it's, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. And we say c- certain things that we understand each other that, you know, that fans might. And so, 
you know, you know, do a good job kind of taking you into the quarterback room a little bit and with the verbiage, but also explain it. And, um, and just, you know, it's just sometimes, uh, it's fun to kind of, you know, see something on film is as we're watching and say, Hey, this is really cool. I think fans would appreciate this or, or you see something in the game and say, all right, let's explain this. And, uh, you know, bring in some great, you know, great uh, guests on and kind of get, you know, hear, hear them. So we're, we're trying to figure you know, figure out the guest situation. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot out there. Uh, but you know, we're having fun. I think we're, we're getting, you know, better and better each week. Pat McAfee is incredible, by the way. He's he needs hilarious. to be on there. Every, he is just the electric factory and Gronk, of course, but yeah. please give me more Pat McAfee. Pat, as much yeah. as you can. Pat's good when it's the fourth quarter and the game's a blowout and you just you, know, you don't have to talk any football and you just Pat all right you're up uh, you, you yeah. take over now it's your show ask us some questions yeah I, I think in a tight tense game it's a little you may want to hone it in you know get the quarterbacks in like Russell Wilson when you guys were all talking right. it was like he was great yeah. it, it was just like you like when I first put it on the first week I'm like this is weird you know what I mean I, where's the play-by-play who's telling me what's happening in the game and then I started gradually getting into it and getting into it. And there was a rhythm, right? Like you said, it's new. And when you and Peyton, when you pointed out about the um, the hard count, you don't do the hard count here at the goal line. Right. And then they did it. And Peyton just puts his hands on his head like <laughs> the world just came to an end. And you put your head back like the world just came to an end. I'm like, this is egghead quarterback 101. It was so sincere, so funny. Like you guys were just aghast that this happened, right? Yeah, and I think that's the whole idea. Is it's it's Peyton, it's like what would it be like to to watch a game in Peyton and Eli's living room? They're sitting there, and you're in the middle, and you're watching the game. Like, what are they talking about? What are they analyzing? What are they seeing? And and we're not talking about the first and ten run for two yards. Like, you know, that's not you know when you're watching at home, you really don't say anything during that. Like, you're just kind of like, all right, you know, where's the chips? Where's a Drake? You know, you know, all of a sudden some drives get going, or hey, there's a great catch. Hey, let's go analyze that. Or there's a touchdown, you celebrate. Hey, let's let's go see what happened on that play, on the interesting plays. And and, and you know, if you see something cool, whether it's a cadence or you know, or a, a neat defense or a blitz that, that you know, would you think fans would like to understand kind of you know, what was going on there? How did they do that? What What is the quarterback doing here? You try to explain those things. Does getting recognized kind of everywhere you go get old? You're in Jersey, you go, you know, go to the Summit Diner, you, you know, hanging out in Jersey. Does that get old too? Does it get frustrating or do you do you like it? Well, I'll tell you the worst invention ever was the camera phone. Like that was the mm. worst invention ever because everybody had a camera. Like in college, I feel bad for these college students. Like I had a great college experience because no one had a camera. Like, you can do whatever you want. But now the greatest invention ever is the mask. It's like totally, you know, I'm, I'm, back, I'm back to be, you know, do I can do whatever I want. Like airports, great mask, hat. I have no problem. I can get through. No one bothers me. So I'm, I'll be wearing the mask for like another ten years at least. Hey, you can know? I tell a real quick funny story about yeah. Eli? So Eli, if you remember, we went down to playing Coach Coughlin's golf event back yeah. in 08, 09. Some, somewhere along that. So we all fly down together, commercial. Eli has like special security that brings them to the gate. It's awesome. No, no. Um, we get on the plane, but we, we stop. If you remember, we stopped at a Wendy's. Me, you, Zach, our shuttle bus stops. And this dude comes into the to the Wendy's and I see him. I've already ordered. So Eli's ordering, Zach's ordering. You know, Eli's a big guy, 6'5". He looks, looks the part. This guy is standing over by the sauces and the straws and he goes, 
that MFA looks just like Eli Manning. And I'm sitting there going, and I'm just laughing. And I don't know if you ever acknowledged that you were or not, but it was just funny because here we are 1,200 miles away from New York. And obviously it was Eli Manning, but who, why is Eli Manning in a Wendy's 30 miles from Ponte Vedra? I think ultimately you did tell him you were, and it was cool. It was just a cool scene. You never made, I get that a lot. I kind of get the, hey, is anybody ever tell you you look like Eli Manning? And I say, yeah, I kind of, yeah. Time. You never make it easy for him. Like you never like, yeah, I am. like you just make him think a little bit. And then maybe as you're leaving, you might hey go Giants, and then you like run out and uh, just get you know. So you kind of so fun. You got to have like fun, kind of fun with it. Like my kids, like it could be like I said, hey, you know, every once in a while, like someone will take, you know, ask for a picture if I'm with my kids, and I'll you know if there's another kid or you know people, I'll try to do it. I can do it real quick. And I like, I tell my kids like don't get annoyed with it. Like you got to photobomb the, the picture. Like you got to do something or prank them or like if you take it, like take the worst picture ever and, and put your finger in front of it. Like, you know, it's it just like you got to try to have fun with the situation instead of like dreading it or making it a, an annoyance. Eli, um, you said when you retired and you said just two weeks ago at the at the uh, season opener, I choose to only remember the good times. And that is you know, when someone says that, I say, well, that's not true. No one can do that. But knowing you for all these years, I think you can do that. How do you do that? How do you say and look at this and say, look, there were some great moments. The ending was maybe not, certainly not how you wanted to script it. How can you say, I choose to only remember the good times and actually do that? Well, I think you, you kind of have to do that as a quarterback a little bit. You know, you got to have that short memory and you're going to throw an interception, but it, it's kind of, hey, what can you forget about it? And all of a sudden go out and, and have a great drive the next drive or go throw a touchdown or go, you know, make tight throws and be confident in it. So I think you learn to have that short memory to forget the other ones to almost, you know, misremember it and, and kind of re- try to remember, hey, I did make that. That wasn't an interception. I did make a great throw and, and you know, it was a completion. So I think you get so used to doing that that now you've just faded out those bad ones. And, and like, why would I, at, while you're playing like that Sunday night, you kind of, it's hard to, to you, you kind of remember the bad plays. And, and, you know, even after a win, there's always like, that one throw you wish you had back. And so you kind of play that in your mind a bunch and then you, but then you kind of, you know, just get it out of your system. And so at this point, like, why would I, why would I harp about, you know, a missed opportunity or a loss here or there? Like, and instead just be, be happy with where you are feel that, you know, I know that I, I tried my very best every week. I prepared, I worked hard, I gave it my all and, and, you know, um, I'm happy with, with the outcome. It, you know, hey, would I love the one more, another championship or one more games? Of course, but like you can't control all those things. I, I thought I did a good job controlling what I could and, and enjoying the, the, the journey. Do you ever wear the rings or are they hidden somewhere? No, they're hidden. They're hidden. You know, they're so big. They're like, you can't, they're like clunky and, you know, Tynes, he wears them all the time. Yeah. Flossing. Yeah. Tynes can barely lift them. Are you kidding? Jeez. <laughs> they never, the kicker jokes never go away. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. We enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I know. I, for a while, I never did a podcast before this year and then kind of doing Monday Night Football. You're like, everybody, you know, you're everybody like, hey, does can it. You come on our show. It's like, well, if I'm going on you, you have to come on the podcast. You're like, 
all right, here, I guess I'm, I'm done now. And then once I did one times, he was like, Hey, you promised me once you, once you did your first podcast. Right, listen, I held you to it. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. We tried last year, but you know, you were, you're taking the no, year no, no, off he, me he and now you're not, everywhere. You know? I respect the hell out of him. He did not do any last year. He was, yeah. he said, look, once I do one, because I get it. If you tell all these other people, no, right. I totally understand. I got you. Back. He's like, I had to do Mike Frances every week for 15 years. Oh, you think I, I need a year off? Yeah. I need a year off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eli, we're uh, we're so looking forward to seeing your number go up there at MetLife Stadium, the Mighty Ten, and good luck Sunday. Have fun. Uh, I know me and Sarah will be there, and thanks so much for coming on Blue Rush. Hey, thanks a lot. Really appreciate thanks, it. A lot of fun. Sorry, times. And that says cheerio to episode 73, the Arnie Weinmeister, whatever the hell his name is, edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Get Blue Rush, that wee five-star rating, and writes in a nice review on Apple Podcasts, you felt the animals. For Polly Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. We return Monday following the Giants matchup with the Falcons. Enjoy the game, folks, and let's go back blue.